We have history made and more history in the making. You'll want to find out the details on this episode of the Indie Bar Report podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 172 of the Indie Bar Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. We have a regular cast of characters this week. No add-ons, no additions, just us, and it's nice to be back to the usual routine of things. Yeah, I think I think you could say that, and uh, especially with we're in the full swing, we're we're really into the middle of the uh, indie ball seasons for the most part. Um, we're having some playoff races in the Atlantic League, just the situation in the, the first half of the season, and starting to see teams separate themselves in the Frontier League and the American Association as well. Uh, you know, in terms of the Frontier League, some teams that are in, that are started to separate themselves for better or for worse. But I, I think maybe for worse is a uh, – I don't know if that's putting it strongly enough. Yeah. In the case of one team in particular, historically bad may be the best way of phrasing it because, I mean, it's, uh, it's a rough going for, for one team in particular. And plus – Another team, they've had a, a whole slew of on-field uh, success and on-field uh, incident as well, as we'll cover with all of that. And, of course, we are recording on uh, Thursday night here, so whatever happens on Friday, we won't know. But, I mean, it's no real different than recording on Friday morning. So, all's well and good on that front. Just minutes ago, the North Division get wrapped up in the Atlantic League. And we have a bit of a contest, and I guess that's the West Division in the uh, American Association, like you were saying, Well, So we're really in the thick of things now, and that's always good to see. But uh, before we get into actual baseball talk, we do have to address uh, some of the bigger happenings this week. We mentioned in the intro that there is history on the line this week. And we'll start with the more negative history, that is, and that is the Frontier League Grays, who... Well, they're 0 and 34, and that is verging on historically bad because the record is uh, well within sight of the most consecutive losses, and it can actually be set this upcoming week on the 29th of June when they play the Rockland Boulders. That is, of course, assuming the Tri City takes care of business, defeats the Grays in their three games, and then, of course, the uh, the Boulders win the first two games there. So we could be seeing history very well in the making. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to put into words. Just And we're also talking about, like, 34 consecutive losses to, like, start a season. Like, this isn't just, like, a normal, like, a streak in the middle of the year or something like that. I mean, this is kind of just who they are. Yeah. Um, and it, it's been... A disaster. They've, you know, they they've had a couple games at least like uh, this pat like more recently, like back on Sunday. Uh, they're in a first game of a doubleheader, and like if you would think if they weren't going to get a win, it would be one of those seven inning games, um, just because I guess there would be less pitching, and since most yeah. of their pitching is bad, I think it, it would obviously make more sense. With being in a seven inning game, they almost did it against Three Rivers. They ended up losing five four, for getting swept in that doubleheader. But I mean, when you're allowing the amount of runs they're allowing specifically, 
Um, they have a couple games in their offense where they're putting up like double digits, where they're putting up a lot of runs. But I mean, when you're giving up, putting giving up 13 spots and 16 spots and uh, and 18 spots, like it, it's just very, very tough to win. Although, I mean, you could say that in a general sense, but the fact that we're talking about a team that is 0-34 currently it is legitimately incredible because it, it's hard to in, – in the game of baseball, usually you you just have to win one yeah. or, or, or a couple. But like, you're like a team that's really struggling, oh, they're one of nine in their last ten or whatever. I mean, 34 consecutive losses is truly unfathom, uh, unfathomable. And it's almost weird because uh, did, Nick, did you see when the the Frontier League uh, like almost tweeting about it and like promoting it in a sense? Yeah, like, yeah, this week? yeah. I, I see that. Very odd. Yeah, they were trying to draw attention to this, and I, like on one hand, it is publicity when you're setting the record for most professional, like for a professional team for most losses in a row. I mean, that is noteworthy. But it's noteworthy for all the wrong reasons. You don't want to draw attention to that if you're a league with it. Because, I mean, it kind of fulfills all those negative stereotypes that people like us, like Ryan, like everyone that's kind of in this general sphere have fought very hard and for a long time to try and defeat. And people before us that are in more, you know, of a professional sphere where it's like, no, these guys are serious athletes. You get major leaguers from this. There are There is talented ballplayers here. And then when you have a team that goes out and loses 30 games in a row, it kind of undermines it. And then when you have that same league, like, look at this historic thing. It's like, well, you shouldn't be promoting this. It's You're airing your dirty laundry. I'm not saying you have to hide it. But at the same time, don't go about, like, making that the thing that you want people to see. And, I mean, you're right. Well, in a sport like baseball, in any sport, really, you you almost have to luck into a win sooner or later. Like it's right. um, it's borderline impossible to just lose this many games in a row. You think you get, you know, a pitcher with a bad start and your offense happens to be good. Like the odds of this have to be so long. I mean, it's not even like they're getting blown out every day. Like it's a common occurrence to get blown out. Let's not get that misconstrued. But like a 3-1 loss to Ottawa back on the 10th. Then they lost in the bottom of the ninth on June 4th in a walk-off to New York. Uh, again, to Quebec, 3-1, a 5-6 to Lake Erie, an 8-6 to Lake Erie. You know, earlier in the year, they had a couple of 3-2s, uh, once to Evansville in May and again in May to uh, Washington. So there are games where it's like, okay, they're contending in it, they're close by, it's not a complete blowout, but by and large, these games are just not... You know, they're not competitive for the most part. And it's not even like it's they're losing games and it's one side's doing well, the other side's not. You have 13 nothing games as long as you have uh, 12 7 games. You have a whole gamut of ways of losing here. And you're distorting stats, you're distorting everything about this league. And what makes it difficult for me is it's hard on players too. Because when you look yeah. at this league and you have a team that's 0 34, they're giving up a bunch of runs. They're scoring a lot of runs. It devalues the stats for every other player in the league. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue here for teams that, you know, major league organizations, that is, that want to pick up guys out of the Frontier League. You go, okay, but how inflated is it when you have this sitting here too? Right. I 
think I think I think you're spot on, and you're really onto something there. It's just it makes in general, and you, you, I think, and you talk specifically about uh, devaluing a lot of stats, and you know, I think for. I think for some teams, like if you really looked into it closely, your teams that are more uh, that that are more out in, in the Midwest, they're not playing the frontier grades really as much as say the others are. Um, mm. It could be a little different in that sense uh, than a team like the Jackals or the Miners who are playing them more often. However, I, I do think that um, I do think it is kind of just a bad look in general for the league. And, not, not that a traveling team is really ever a good look uh, for any league. It's something that 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 leagues try to avoid in in general. I mean, we, we could go back to. I mean, the Frontier Grays have been put in uh, quite a few times throughout the history of the Frontier League, and then of course in Houston Apollos last year with with uh, the American Association and uh, the Road Warriors with the uh, uh, with the Atlantic League uh, for various times in its history and it's never something anyone wants to do but usually usually they, obviously they don't win but they don't win very much at all but usually they're more competitive than this and it makes you wonder kind of how is how was this team put together like how were they even like choosing players for this or did they kind of just roll the ball out there did they even try like I don't, I, I don't know because you're you've lost thirty four straight games. I, I don't even know how that's possible. So I mean, it's tough on the players that are there, and I get it. But it it does. It's not something that there's a lot of questions that really should be asked uh, more about the about the league in general and how this this whole operation was put together. The fact that it could make this like I mean, you're telling me like there if you couldn't put together like. A collection of guys who are maybe just like unsigned, uh, unsigned like Frontier League guys and, and whatnot that could do better than 0 34. It, it just, it just seems like there's, there's a lot of questions that could be asked and it's definitely not something you should be tagging ESPN and whatever, uh, trying to get like publicity on this because it just makes, yeah, it's publicity, sure, but it makes you look bad and which is why I don't, I don't understand the the whole aura of trying to uh, get more eyes on this. When if I were the front early, I would try to get as many eyes off of this as possible. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up a good point. Of did they try to you know build a competitive roster here? And I mean, if we're to believe the the did the Grays win account uh, screenshot of the DM they had from back on May or not May June the sixth? I mean, they. Uh, <laughs> The DM explicitly is from the Empire State Grays, and it says explicitly, "We do not, we do not emphasize winning here. We are a New York baseball team, sports team at that." And they go on to it here, and their biggest priority is to let them have fun. And it's like, well, this is a professional league. This is a league that pays its players and has guys that are looking to try and win. So I hope. That this isn't an actual real screenshot from it, but I mean, if it is, and I don't really know if I have too much of a reason to believe it isn't. I mean, it's it's real damning if that's your response is like, well, the reason we're not winning is we're not prioritizing winning, 
And it's like, well, you're a professional ball club. You're expected to try to win. And I mean, I do feel for the guys that are in that room because it, they're not trying to go out there and lose. Obviously you're going out there. You're trying to win. You're trying to help your stock here. And there are some guys on that team that, you know, are doing okay. They're doing fine. Nothing world burning, but you know, good enough to where I give them a shot in a real team. It's just. It got to be very depressing in that room. And it's just not a good situation for anybody at the league or otherwise. So uh, you really do hope it gets resolved quickly. And like at this point, I'm also kind of torn here. And I do want to address where it's like on one hand, I kind of want to see this record get set just because I want to be able to say I saw this. And also because it's going to be set in Rockland, I could just go to that game and it's real tempting to be able to watch this mm-hmm. abomination in person. And perhaps that's why they're promoting it to try and get people to go out and watch it, which, I mean, that's kind of like perform, yeah, kind of promoting a freak show. It's like it's not really the kind of thing you should promote because it's, it's just a bad look. On the flip side, though, I kind of don't want it set just so that way this can end. And we could mercifully put this team out of its misery. I mean, there's a very real chance that by like July 15th, they're going to be out of playoff contention. I mean, there already are, practically speaking. But like mathematically speaking, if you told me on July 15th they'd be eliminated from contention, I'd be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They probably lost another 20 games. Right. And I think that it almost does play some sort of like attractiveness that. I don't know, because I I see your point that, like, hey, can they pull off the impossible? Come to uh, Palisades Credit Union Ballpark. Is that still what it's called? I think it is. Not Clover Stadium now. It's Clover Stadium. Oh, see, I I knew they changed it. I just couldn't think the why. Come to Clover Stadium and find out uh, if if the Frontier Grays can finally pull off the impossible. Like the Jersey Generals. Yeah. Like against the Harlem Globetrotters, even though nobody goes to see him, yeah. who's going to win the game. I think that uh, it's it, in some ways it could be used as a strategy like that, but I still think for the league as a whole and for, the, for those players and, and the coaching staff and just how this is put together, I think it just calls in a lot of questions. And uh, that, yes, you're not going to have a team that's going to win, in any of the, in any case, like I guess outside of the the whole 2021 uh, uh, Capitals team, that, or, or no, no, not not, not Capitals, the uh, uh, Kip Quebec, yeah, Team Quebec, which I mean really wasn't, you know, that, that's not which was that was a weird situation. Yeah, I mean that wasn't a true traveling team. team, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think that um, uh, and there's no way that if a team that was like put together uh, <laughs> like this should be this horrible. Yeah. No way. So I think I think there's a lot of questions that need to be asked about it. Absolutely. I mean that's the thing. And I mean we'll wrap it up after this. I mean like coming in, I mean you can go back and check our preview episode. We explicitly said they will not be a good team. And if you told me they were going to go twenty and seventy six, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's probably about to the record they'll have. Hell if you even told me they were going to go fifteen and uh fifteen and like eighty five or 15 and 80, you know, I would say, yeah, that's probably to be expected. They're not going to be the kind of team that's going to be competitive. They get like three wins a month. That's probably about right. But to not have a win 
through nearly two months of the season is just, it's ridiculous. It's not good. And I mean, like I said, I commend a couple of players here. Holden Bernhard, who has a sub one ERA somehow on this team through 14 innings. I commend the hell out of you, man, because I don't know how you managed to do that, but keep rocking it because you're one of the lone bright spots alongside, I believe it was Liam MacArthur. Yeah, Liam MacArthur here, who's through 30 games and 100 at bats, batting 310. So that's pretty solid on his end. Trey Woosley through 19 games and 75 at bats. He's batting 293. So there's some uh, areas of success here. Uh, but yeah, by and large, it's just uh, not quite getting done. But my favorite stat here is in 32 games, John Belevolent, uh, in 119 at bats, has 46 strikeouts. Yeah, seven walks though. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say this much for Liam MacArthur, he's actually having a good year. Twenty yeah. walks, only seventeen strikeouts, six stolen bases, batting three ten, on base four thirty nine. You know he's doing pretty decent here. I, he doesn't deserve to be stuck on this team. No, no, no. You think that those guys get their shot eventually? Uh, you'd have to hope so. Uh, from bad history to good history, we do have a new wins record holder in the American Association. That wins record holder is now going to be Kevin McGovern. Uh, this past, I believe it was uh, this past Wednesday, he won a rain-shortened five-inning game against the Lake Country Dockhounds to secure win number 56 and become the all-time American Association wins record holder. So congratulations to him on that. A, uh, a monumental achievement, certainly. And uh, he definitely deserves this. He's been around for a while. He got a taste of affiliated ball last year. And he's uh, continuing to grow the indie ball lore. Obviously, he'd rather be an affiliated ball. But still, he makes an impact. He's been around for a while. He's still a productive player for the Red Hawks. So that is an admirable feat in and of itself. Yeah, it's just really cool to see McGovern uh, get this record, I'm sure. One that maybe was in the back of his mind for for primary goal is to go out and get the Red Hawks a chance to win games, but I mean it shows that he's he's still performing at a very he's still pitching at a very high level. Uh, even though he's a little bit older, but I mean he's uh, a guy who Obviously, his teammates love and uh, the Red Hawk fans certainly love him. Uh, and so it was so cool to see him uh, to get this record. And as you said multiple times on social media, uh, after this happened, Nick, I, I think, and I would agree with you, that he is the, the greatest uh, pitcher in American Association history. I don't, I, I don't think you would find... Um, I don't think you would find one who is as decorated as Kevin McGovern. McGovern is at this point. Uh, he's just adding on another uh, another milestone to his uh, already incredible career, especially in the Bank Association. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the man has the most innings pitched, the most strikeouts, now the most wins. He leads just whatever category. He also has walks, even though that's not really one you want to tout as a pitcher. Uh, but even still, he just seems to... He seems to have just been such a productive pitcher for so long. And even still, he's not having a bad year per se. He's still a very useful pitcher on a very hot Red Hawks team that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But yeah, he's just, 
he's almost uh, he is the equivalent to Daryl Thompson for this league where he yeah. just keeps going out and he keeps performing. And of course he spent a little bit of time in the Atlantic league as well, pitched like all of 25 innings over there. But for a guy that's been pretty much an indie ball guy since day one, he actually spent a little bit of time in Rockland and, and in the frontier league as well. A very brief, you know, 50 innings in the Pecos league too, it would appear, but it really is that American Association that he's made his mark in. The 5 ERA this year is a little bit deceiving, but in 45, he still provides a chance for the Red Hawks to win, and that's really all you can ask, and he's very deserving of that, and it, it is hard to find a, a more fitting guy to call the best pitcher in American Association history than uh, than Kevin McGovern. Yeah, no argument there. I mean, he's... Uh, just consistently, like you, as you mentioned, going out every single night and uh, and giving his team a chance to win, and uh, you know, just a guy that American Association fans have, have grown to love, and uh, so exciting to see him get this victory. You know, you'd almost hope, I don't know, a range shortened five, especially five innings, because not the way you'd like to get it. Yeah, uh, but it is the most weird. indie ball way possible too. Oh, like yeah. I was so so start. That you win in a 13-5 like finale in front of a thousand people in a brand new market, it just it feels like so on brand for indie ball to have like what should be this monumental achievement that's really celebrated, you know, happen in this situation. Yeah, it's it's that's exactly uh, how I guess the I wouldn't have wanted to get it but uh but nonetheless i mean it doesn't take away anything from uh from all the movies piled up in the past and uh to get to this point so congratulations to him and an unbelievable achievement absolutely there and i mean the only other way you'd really want it to go uh for mcgovern is and i do kind of wish this would have been the case if he would have had it done against winnipeg you know a, a place mm, he spent sure. a lot of time in that just and kind of his best years in uh, too, that just feels like it would have been really perfect for that. But even still, uh, congratulations to him on setting that record. And it is a nice change of pace from uh, the not-so-great uh, record that we're seeing in the Frontier League. And on the Frontier League note, uh, we do have one other kind of piece of news to go over quickly in the Frontier League. And that is, it would appear as though... Uh, the y'alls, while they are heating up on the field, they're heating up in multiple ways as it looks like we're going to be having a suspension coming on their front after a, as the y'alls called it, incident that occurred on Tuesday, June 21st. It involved on-field staff and an umpire. In other words, a coach shoved an umpire to the ground and that is just wholly unacceptable because you cannot touch umpires I understand some people don't like calls. I understand sometimes um, so you can go over the line. They can do, uh, they can think who they are. You know, the ump show is a common thing here. But regardless of that, you still can't push them. You can't shove them. You can't touch them. That's just wholly unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, the fact that almost like you're seeing this become commonplace and more than just indie ball and uh like you're talking like youth baseball like my goodness 
I mean, there's you can think what you want about umpires, but an umpire should never have to worry about their physical like safety like during a game. As far as another, th- that's not something an umpire signs up for. And I mean, to, to be quite honest with you, and I know I, I understand that by the time this episode is released, the suspension will probably be announced, and the length of the suspension. Uh, will be announced as well. I mean, in, in my view, I, this this needs to be a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy suspension uh, because there is just no room uh, in in the game at all uh, for physically. Or, I mean, yeah, I maybe. Mean, I mean, maybe it is. I mean, the, see, to describe the the video, uh, the video that we have is only about seven seconds long, so it doesn't show the full length. It was a back and forth uh, kind of argument. And as the the home plate ump turns around to walk away to walk up the first baseline, he is shoved in the back and kind of falls over there. Uh, it's kind of a weird divide on Twitter. I'd say it's like 80-20 holding the same opinion we is you don't touch an umpire. It's the worst thing you can do in sports is touch an official. That's just wholly off bounds because that's, uh, like you said, well, that's way above. They shouldn't have to worry about that kind of a thing. It then there's the 20% here that's like, well, he started it. And I mean, that's going to happen. And, you know, he embellished and whatnot. And it's like, well, that's not really the point. The point is that you don't, first off, put your hands on other people unless you have to do so to defend yourself. That's really the only reason why you should be doing that. That aside, you really don't, you don't touch an official. It doesn't really matter what they said or what they did. If whatever they did was that bad, then you bring it up with the league itself or, in this instance, if it affected the game that much, put the game under protest. Let the league make that call, you know, if it's that big of an issue. So, I mean, like, it, it doesn't really matter. He should be suspended for some time. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, I, I'm, honestly, I'm thinking like 20 to 30 games is, is frankly what I think. It's got, there has to be an example set here that, that it is wholly unacceptable to put your hands on an, on an official and, push an umpire to the ground. I mean, absolutely not. There's yeah. just, the, and I don't care. I mean, unless the umpire shoved the coach first, which he did not. That's yeah. Not At least from the video that we saw here, I, I haven't seen, like I hear people and I don't mean to cut you off, but I just don't want to get in there. People say, well, you didn't see the incident beforehand, but there's no video of the incident beforehand. So, and because the frontier league decided to go with flow sports and run a hundred dollars for streaming, uh, there's no way to really kind of get that video. So if someone has them and like to tweet the video at us, we'd be more than happy to look at it. And then next week, that may change the opinion that we have. But as of right now, from what we can see, I mean, it just was like, well, they got into a, a bit of a screaming match and then umpire turned to walk away. He got shoved in the back. Yeah. I mean, from, from the video we have, that should be a, a lengthy, lengthy suspension because that's... I mean, there was even a story this past week where, uh, I think, oh, was it Staten Island, I think? Yeah. Where, where, like, a 70-year-old umpire, like, got, like, not, got his jaw broken by a coach who, like, threw a punch at him. Like, this, there's a reason why there's an umpire shortage in youth baseball. Uh, and not that this is, it's not like we're talking about youth baseball here, but, uh, there's a reason that, umpires like it's becoming shorter and shorter supply and it's because of stuff like this exactly uh, and so and ex- examples need to be set yeah and it's officials across the board because why would you want to sign up for this kind of abuse i mean 
we've all seen this, and I mean, especially on the youth level, just to touch on it, I mean, a lot of times you have, especially like for younger kids, like seven, eight, nine, you have high schoolers and college students that are umping these games. They're doing it for like a hundred dollars for the afternoon for just money to put in their pocket. And you have grown adults screaming at them for missing balls and strikes. And it's like, well, hey, on the youth level, you're not really playing for anything. You're playing A for fun and B to learn the fundamentals of the game. That's really what you're getting out of youth baseball. Unless it's like high stakes little league, until you get to high school, none of it really matters all that much. And even on the high school level, I'd say nine out of 10 high school teams aren't really going anywhere. So the games really don't matter that much because at the end of the day, odds are the high school level is where you're going to stop playing. And if not there, it's probably at the college level. And the college level is probably like division three or club ball for most people. So there's no real sense in getting all bent out of shape over something like this. Listen, and, and people make mistakes, and when you're talking about, I mean, physically, like, uh, physically putting your hands on an official, an umpire, whatever sport you may be talking about, there needs to be an example set that it's, that it's wholly unacceptable. And that's, and then when now, and then when, the, when it comes to a point, inevitably in five to ten years, when they're confused why you can't have, you have to, you have a travel ball tournament canceled because there's no, because there's not enough umpires to staff the tournament. Well, now you wonder why. Now you know why. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's what it comes down to. You, and you're only going to get uh, worse umping with this kind of thing because the more this happens, the less people want to go into umping. The fewer people that go into umping, the lower odds you have of getting better umpires. So you're just feeding the system here and creating a bigger issue. So it was worth talking about. So not a great week uh, from the Frontier League on that front, but they did release a uh, fan affordability survey that I got in a press release, and as soon as I opened it, I was like, why did I get a press release on this? Because it cost a family of four to go $75 to go to a baseball game at the Frontier League? Uh, like, okay, that's great. I'm not going to report on that because it's not really that important, <laughs> but it's like, okay. So they had that going for them, but uh, I think the ump incident and the fact that the Grays are on the verge of becoming one of, if not the worst professional baseball team in the history of baseball, which we really can't undersell. That that's a, a long time. Yeah, a sport that's nearly 200 years old. They're about to set a record that's probably, what, 150, 175 years old? Yeah, that's uh, unreal. It's... It's still something else there, but yeah, as far as uh, last piece of news, we actually have the Rocky Mountain uh, Vibes had some heavy turnover here in that they appear to be in full control of their player transactions now. They're able to dip into uh, the Monclava uh, system. They're able to sign their own players where before, if you remember, they had uh, a partnership agreement to kind of develop players for uh, the, that uh, Liga team, that Mexican Liga team. And, uh, yeah, they have some guys that are retained, but most of them are gone. They have other players coming in. A lot of change is happening here, and it'll be interesting to see how things shake up over in Rocky Mountain now. They just started playing better before their last 10-game stretch. They were approximately, I want to say, two or three 
and 12. So they weren't doing particularly well. They managed to win six, I believe, or four of their last 10, six of their last 10, something in that range. Uh, so they're doing better. But, uh, yeah, big change is happening in Rocky Mountain. And you can understand why. Uh, because yeah. uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, they have a partnership. Uh, they have a partnership with, how do you say it's Monclova, Monclo- it looks got, like? I got an email about this last year when we covered it. And I started saying it right, and now I forgot how. So I'm going to quickly try to find it. I believe it's Monclova, or I, because however I originally pronounced it was wrong. So I do want to try and find it to make sure it is. I get it right. So right. Give me a minute and regardless. I'll yep. And regardless, though, like the partnerships are great, but I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen specifically two of these happen. Uh, of course, um, Rocky Mountain with. Monclova, or however you say it, and then uh, the Texarra Hogs when they were in existence with uh, their agreement with the Chinese professional baseball, whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, when is that? I just don't understand the uh, allure of having your own independent team in the U.S. and not having control over your roster and letting somebody else send players that they want to uh, send players that they want to send to you when they don't care if you win or not. So it doesn't. It never really made much sense to me. I mean, they got off to a 4-19 start, so that kind of speaks enough to it. Uh, and However, I will say it, it's a good development to see Rocky Mountain say, yeah, you know, we're just going to take control back of our team. Uh, because this isn't working, and we des- we and we deserve better as an organization and as a fan base. So I will give them credit for that. Uh, but I I just don't get these partnerships. It do- it just never seems to work out for the for the teams themselves. See, I don't. I do have the email now. It's Monclova, and then the Aceros. So Aceros okay. for uh, the full name there, Monclova for just the shorthand. Uh, but uh, back to the point, I think more or less for the partnerships, it's more of a money situation here because you could be paid to develop players. And in the case of particularly the Vibes, they were kind of used to that already. I mean, that's what the Pioneer League was for most of its history. So, you know, you kind of just keep doing that. And if you're playing, oh, well, it's the experience and not to play on the field, then yeah, then I mean, you could definitely make it work. Although I'm not sure how much fun it is watching the home team just get creamed night after night that said as long as they're able to kind of you know keep the baseball good keep everything afloat keep the fan experience up this will be a positive they won't have to worry about developing players they won't have to sell that as you know two coaching staff two other guys that aren't here for development you know guys that the organization themselves signed assuming they had some saying that beforehand and assuming they had say in you know their managerial staff and the rest of the coaching staff and training staff you don't have to sell that and justify it to them anymore it's not like oh well you know we're developing you know talent for uh, this team over in in the Mexican league you can now go look you can go ahead and stake your own claim as a manager and build your own career like that so it's a bit of an easier selling point i'd imagine uh but even still uh Hopefully it makes it better as long as, like I said, that's my only real concern is because it doesn't seem like, uh, it, it may, 
it didn't seem like, at least from what I'm reading, that it was the vibes decision to end it. Because keep in mind, that more or less happened because COVID made it so that the official kind of Mexican League, minor league system, for at least how I understand it, how it works, that really wasn't working because of COVID. But now it's up and running again, so they really don't need uh, the vibes anymore. I'm sure there are people out there that have done a much deeper and thorough breakdown of the roster and this whole situation as a whole. If I'm able to find it, I'll listen to it, link it, and, you know, we'll be able to go back over this again in the future. But yeah, that's my only concern is that I hope financially they're going to be all right here because now having control over your roster again, it kind of implies to me that you're going to have to start paying these guys yourself. And as we all know, that's the big money ticket item is player and coaching salaries. So, like I said, as long as that's fine, I'm happy for them. And hopefully the baseball will get better. If that's not the case and they're going to have that issue financially, then uh, hopefully it gets sorted out sooner than later. Yeah, you, you got to hope so. And uh, at the end of the day, you, you just hope they, they start to win games here at some point. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. I, I, you're right, a lot of this partnership is... Uh, financially based, but obviously it's tough, uh, on the on-field product, um, which, you know, I mean, teams have to make money, but of course, trying to win games on the baseball field too is important, so, um, and something that Rocky Mountain has struggled with, uh, during this, during this partnership, so. Regardless, of course, it'll be interesting to see how many, uh, players from one club will still stick around playing for the Vibes, and uh, that's, so, you know, I, there there was certainly a lot of uh, transactions, and but it's also very interesting to see that this decision made mid season and see the kind of way they were able to turn on a dime um, during the middle of the season and kind of just like remake a whole team without this partnership. So, uh, or without this without the direct partnership because they still do have a partnership. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they if this results in winning winning more games and. Uh, and we'll see, especially mid-season, makes this even more enticing. Definitely, and hopefully it all starts to go well there. But on that note, we are finally in the who's hot, who's not section of this show where we get to finally talk about baseball and stuff that's happening. And all off-the-field stuff aside, Florence is very hot, Sussex County is doing well, and there's a few other teams across the indie ball landscape that are, but we'll start it off in the Frontier League. Uh... I got to say, the Miners have kind of done a 180 from how their stretch before this bit had done. They didn't look too great to start off the year, but now they've managed to go ahead. They've won four in a row. They're 9-1 and one their last 10. They're in a playoff spot, and they're kind of firmly in a playoff spot, too, at the moment. They're, they're up by about three games or so, four games or so, and uh, they look to be a pretty good team. Yeah, they they, re, they really rebounded, uh, rebounded nicely. In particular, it kind of seems like it got kick started with a, a big series win at, at Three Rivers and uh, a big win there. And then you, you got the Empire State Grays to kind of keep them up. And then I mean the big the big series win and the big story is that they were able to take two of three against Quebec at home. Yeah. Uh, so I mean it shows that Sussex County is for real. And they just swept they just swept Ottawa going into another Which series. Which is extremely impressive from them. I mean Ottawa's been a very strong team too. Arguably yeah. the hottest team over the last two weeks with Ottawa. Yeah, so you're really starting to see uh what their roster not not that they were uh 
projected to be, say, like an elite level team in the Frontier League. Uh, but they, in particular, they've won. They've won a lot of close games as well, uh, which yeah. is a credit really to the back end of their bullpen that started to pitch much better, uh, and and there's and their offenses uh, starting to click as well at the same time. So uh, they, they've certainly they're they're playing good baseball of late, and they're beating a lot of good teams uh, during this during this stretch, and that wants to continue. Especially uh, they're, they have another showdown with uh, with Quebec back in uh, back in uh, Sussex County. Here uh, to start next, so at the beginning of next week, so that'll be interesting uh, to see. Uh, but I mean, they're playing some really, really good baseball right now. Bobby Jones got has them playing very well at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had the one like sticky substance incident, and then after that, I mean, it's been pretty smooth sailing from there. I mean, like I said, end of May when they went on that kind of big road trip, it wasn't great. Then they came back, they took two or three from uh, the Slammers, and you're like, okay, maybe they're back. And then Tri-City was a rough trip. Ottawa was a bad trip. Then they started off poorly against the Boulders, but then it started getting going from there. They took the next two, two or three from Three Rivers, like you mentioned, and then they did very strong, a four-game stretch, sweeping the Grays. It's kind of expected at this point. Taking two or three from Ottawa, you know, or two or three from Quebec rather than sweeping Ottawa. You're right. They are, they're, they're, uh, they're doing better than expectations. They're, they're performing above their pay grade, really. They can finish this Canadian road trip with two or three from three rivers. I think they're in very good shape. Then you have a Quebec team that's not going to be easy, but is certainly beatable. They've been not the hottest team as of late. So they're weak. You could take them out, and then you get some rather easier games. I mean, you get New Jersey for a, a while, Boulders for a while, Tri-City, that's going to be a team we're going to talk about as the not-hot. They're really, after Quebec, it's not till the end of the month when you're going up against Evansville where you have uh, some more tougher opponents. Evansville, Gateway, who's not been great, but still... I think has something there. Likewise, with Florence has gotten hot as of late, so if they continue that for the next month, that could be an issue there. So end of July will be a problem, but they still have about a two, three-week period here where they could really take advantage and win some games and build themselves up a nice cushion. Yeah, 100%, especially when uh, Ottawa's, Ottawa's seemingly is cooled off a little bit. I mean, you're seeing specifically in the East, you're seeing like the class of, of the East kind of separate itself, that being Quebec, Ottawa, and Sussex County, uh, with the, with the Boulders, Tri-City, and Three Rivers kind of in that second category. And of course, you know, the Empire State grades at the bottom with their 34 game losing streak. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, Sussex is really hitting their stride. They're playing well and, uh, they're really making uh, currently, even though it's still, Quebec is definitely the favorite still, even though they've come back down to earth a little bit, they're starting to get it back a little bit after a rough uh, 9-10 game stretch. Uh, but Sussex County is still right. It's still right in the mix. Absolutely. And they have some very good pitching as well. Uh, that's yeah. going to help them too. And they're able to just get what they need, and that's been good enough. So uh, certainly a strong team there. Florence also, like I said, was or has been very strong over in the West. A very, very poor start to the year. They lost tonight, but that still puts them at 8-2 and two in their last 10 going into Friday. Now, obviously, we don't know how they've done on Friday. Uh, we never do. But 15-19 and 19 on the season isn't great. 
They have a weak team in Schaumburg in front of them, a team that's not been very good. They've lost three in a row, two and eight in their last ten. If Florence can keep up this kind of pressure, obviously they're going to be down uh, some coaching staff members uh, after everything gets sorted out in that front there. But it, they have some weaker opponents in front of them. Windy City has not been strong as of late. Schaumburg has not been strong as of late. Gateway's kind of finding their stride again. They've won four in a row to get back to 500 in their last 10 and 500 on the year. But there is a chance for them to kind of take advantage of this and keep seizing this momentum and keep going. I'm not sure I believe in Joliet to keep a playoff spot. I think it's pretty well established that in the West, it is going to be Washington. It's going to be Evansville, barring something huge changing on those fronts. They are kind of the class of the West. Uh, but Evans, or that third spot there, is still up for play. And I think Florence right now, with their recent success, has a chance to really put themselves really into that conversation for, are they still here? Now, they got to keep it up. You know, you're four games under 500, can't afford to go on another losing streak, another poor uh, two or three week stretch. But uh, they're certainly still in the talk of things. Right, and they also they have some games in hand on teams like Joliet and like teams like Gateway. They're uh, just haven't played as many games, and only I believe they've got. Uh, it looks like they have got. It looks like they got at least three games in hand. So, uh, so they'll have they'll have room to kind of make up ground in that sense. But it's it's a pretty it's, it's a pretty close race for that third spot, and certainly Washington and Evansville at the top. But uh, it's good to see Florence kind of get back on track and, and some big wins. And you're, you're right, Nick, when you say that their their schedule is, is certainly going to lighten up. Uh, the, the, I think the Gateway series is going to be really interesting, and then we'll we'll get a lot of answers to them uh, when they when they head to head to Washington uh, yeah. to, at the beginning of next week. I mean, that'll be a big big series for them. Uh, and if they can come out of that with two out of three, I think you're definitely looking at them as uh, probably the favorite for that third seed. Uh, but well, I guess that's something we'll probably have to revisit next week. Uh, but they've and they're certainly playing a, a lot better of late. And to be honest with you, a lot has to do with, with their offense finally starting to click, finally starting to hit uh, when it really at the beginning of the year. Uh, even though I mean their their pitching had been really rough at the beginning of the year. Like you would see some, some spurts offensively, but uh, now their pitching is starting to, to improve a little bit. Uh, and they're starting to win some of these close games as well. And, uh, and they're really starting to slug their way to victory. And uh, the pitching, as I mentioned, certainly has improved and has been a big catalyst uh, for this winning streak, but it'll be tested though, especially, especially losing with that Washington matchup for them next week but they're they're looking in good shape at the moment even though the record overall record still doesn't look good they're so they're definitely on the right track yeah absolutely so, there their schedule does lighten up a lot if they're able to just kind of get through these next six with gateway there and washington i think 500 is going to be good enough for them for those next six then you have an eight game stretch where it's schomburg that's been reeling and you can definitely take advantage of you could definitely take three or four from them and a Lake Erie team that's actually below you currently in the standings. That's a nice stretch there. Seven games, very winnable. Uh, then it gets a little bit tougher. Evansville for three, Windy City for four, then back Joliet, and then you get some, you get to go out east a little bit. You got a three game stretch on the road uh, against the Boulders, 
then you get the grays and then you get the Sussex County and then we're back to regular play here. So July is an interesting month. It's obviously a make or break month for a lot of teams, but I think doubly so uh, for the y'alls in this case, because they have some momentum now. You really like to go into July on that hot streak and kind of cement it because the middle of the month is kind of tough. The end of the month, you get some tougher teams, even though you probably have some easy wins there too. Uh, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I still think that the, the, their talent will show up in the end. I think that I would. They'll they'll certainly be in the mix for that third and final playoff spot in, in the in the West Division. Absolutely, yeah. there. And on that flip side, there, Schaumburg is a team that really kind of needs to get going here. Two and eight, last three in a row. They looked promising to start the year. They took advantage of some more uh, Eastern Division matchups here. They beat up on some teams, but June has just really not been their month. Three in a row to lose to start the month. Four of five to really start the month on the losing streak there. Uh, then it just, they've never really been able to get anything going. They win a game, they lose two. They win a game, they lose two or three or four or five in a row. And uh, Joliet, which I hate to call anything must win in June, but it really does feel like if you can't take advantage of them right now, you're it's only going to get tougher. I mean, sure, you do have a Lake Erie series that's after it, which should be kind of a get-right series. But then you have a hot Florence team, like we were just saying. You have Evansville after that. You have Windy City after that. There really isn't. And then Evansville again, and then Gateway again, too. So, and then you go to Quebec. Really, you don't have another easy opponent after Lake Erie until the end of July in, in the Jackals here. And I mean, even then, who knows? In a month's time, a lot can change. And if you're banking on getting right going out east or well, having a lot of east teams come to you, that's not always the safest bet. And at that point, the season could be lost if by mid-July you're not doing well. You're not in a good spot here. Last year, Schaumburg, obviously, they won the championship, but they were in a weaker division. They were kind of the weaker playoff team, and they won the they won the championship. So they were the best team in the league. But if we're going off of regular season results, it very much seemed like they made a couple of moves at the trade deadline or at towards the end of the season, rather. And they kind of eked in. They just got hot at the right time. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to fly this year. There's too much competition. There's too many teams. It's going to be too tough. So they really, really kind of need to take advantage of these last few games here and get the wins while you can because it's not going to get easier for a long time. Yeah, they, this is a crucial, crucial stretch for them. And, uh, they really have to take yeah, some of the teams that like like your Joliet, like your like yours, because because then it's going to get tough, and, uh, and then you're really going to start, especially with other teams where their schedules are kind of going the other way. Uh, it's it was going to be tough, and you know, Schaumburg in, in particular, when you're looking at what's going on, it really has to do with their pitching. It's it's really struggled uh, over this losing stretch for them. And their offense has showed up in spirits, but the uh, end great overall. Uh, but the pitching has really struggled for them. And almost kind of the, uh, the opposite of where, of where they were uh, a year ago. And, and what made them so good, uh, or what, what made them able to get, to get hot. And it's so crazy that they were able to win the championship. But I, I think that uh, you're starting to see them come back down to earth. And, uh, and I, I would say they're probably they're just not as good as the team that won the championship, but not as bad as this. 
I don't know. It's it's they're a weird team, but uh, they really, really have to take care of business. And if they are dropping, if they go like two and four in the stretch against Joliet and, and Lake Erie, I mean, you're you're really putting yourself in a hole, and you're going to have to try and uh, pick up some upset series wins, uh, which I just don't know, given their current roster and how they're performing. I just don't know if that's uh, that's realistic. But I mean, there's certainly a lot of season left, but. Uh, but they're 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 definitely going the wrong way right now. Yep. Not to mention they also lost a couple of guys to uh, affiliated baseball as well too. So that's never going to help the cause either. I mean, good for them, of course, is what we want to see. But as far as the team performance, not exactly uh, going to help you there. Just like Tri City's been struggling as of recent too. They got a win tonight, but it's not been exactly an easy going for them. Four and six is a little bit deceiving. Uh, for how things have gone as of late. Hopefully they're turning a page, but they have not been the hottest team in June. They lost a lot in the middle with a four-game losing streak. They looked like, okay, maybe we're turning the page. They beat Quebec for two, and then they dropped two of uh, three to the Jackals. They lost in a sweep to Rockland or New York now, I guess. Now they've managed to win a series against Three Rivers, and they have the Grays coming in, so perhaps... This is their turning point because they, they have three rivers again. Then they have the grays again. So they have the schedule to kind of get right. And then just kind of one random game against Ottawa in between the grays and the, uh, and the Capitals. So, uh, they really need to take advantage of this. Uh, starting on the 4th of July, it gets really tough between Ottawa, Quebec and Sussex County. That's not exactly a fun seven game stretch here, but, uh, this is crunch time. They have the whole runway here to get right, but it's up to them to do that. Right, and uh, they certainly, of course, they, they, they're, they're going to have to get hot now, but I almost want to look at it in the sense of just look at the teams that they're looking up at in the standings right now. Yeah. Um, the, the Boulder's a half game ahead of them. Um, I mean, you're not going to catch Quebec. Uh, you're, you're pretty far behind. Uh, you're pretty far behind, but you're seven back of Ottawa. For second place, and you're and you're four back of Suffolk County uh, for third in the East. I mean, you're kind of running out of time. That's a that's a pretty decent gap already for Tri City, and I know they have the talent, but uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it just hasn't really come together for, uh, for them quite yet. But you know, the, the, like the, they have this current schedule to, to try and get back on track. Uh, but I mean, they're current, they're currently trailing by four games uh, to Sussex County for them. For that third spot, and uh, also have to jump. Also have to jump the boulders uh, in that. So uh, listen, there, there's plenty of time, but in a in a division where it increasingly is looking like uh, we know that we or there are pretty substantial favorites for the top three of playoff teams in the East, uh, Tri City needs to get going because they're they're running out of time and they can't put themselves in a much deeper hole because uh, because Quebec, Ottawa, and Sussex County are kind of pulling away at this point, uh, especially with the way that the miners are complying. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point with what's around them in the division. I think we could safely roll out uh, the Grays as a serious threat here. Uh, it's seeing the loot under the street category lost 34 is still so jarring. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's fairly safe to throw them uh, out of contention here. As far as on the upper end, 
Quebec, I think, is pretty safely there. Ottawa, I think, is pretty safely there. The Miners are more 50-50 because, well, they have more games played at this point. So while they are extremely hot and win over everything going in their favor, they're still catchable in a sense here. But someone has to really make that move. Personally, I'm not a big believer in New York. They've done this too often where they play about 500 baseball, then they go on a losing streak where they never get the winning streak to match to get back to 500, and then they settle on playing about 450 baseball. That seems to be their calling card over the last handful of years. So until they break that, that's where I think they're going to be at. So then you're saying, is New Jersey going to jump up and make a big move? It doesn't look like they are, so you kind of can put them off to the side for now. So if you look at it, you go, okay, it's really Tri-City, Three Rivers, and Sussex County that are going for that playoff spot. And they really need to make a move, like you're saying, because, you know, it's if they don't, it's going to become late very early. It would seem like on the flip side, Kamar Rocker looks very good too. And he does. And for all the negative there, it does look very much like Rocker could wind up with a start against Empire State. And I really want to see it. Like, I shouldn't be rooting for that because, like I said, I do feel bad for the guys on Empire State that are just trying to find a job. And we all know Rocker's going to get drafted in the first round, especially after touching the high 90s. Uh, yeah. So we know it's going to happen. And it's kind of bad to root for this because you're rooting for a slaughter here. But if I'm not mistaken, he he's either going to get another start against Three Rivers or he's going to get a start against, uh, against Empire State. And all I'm saying is Ugh. on a 4th of July weekend against Empire State, that's a big statement show me game. You could put a lot of pressure on organizations to draft a kid if he goes out and in four innings, which I have this pet theory that Boris does not want Rocker's first professional win to be an indie ball. So that's why he's <laughs> going four innings. And there's no real reason for him to go five. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to blame him. I'm just using that as my pet theory. Uh, but in four innings of work, if he strikes out like 10 of them, doesn't allow a hit maybe walks one that's a pretty big statement game when a week when the draft's two weeks away you know you could mm-hmm. let him ride yeah, off the height scouts are like hey though like yeah like yeah i like i understand that too but it helps put up the numbers better though it does at the end of the day that helps plus there's also some pressure you can kind of apply on an organization from the outside of fans are like, well, look, you just did this to a team. If you ignore everything else, it's a lot more impressive. You know, it's like, well, you know, 11 strikeouts is 11 strikeouts. Right. So, I mean, that's, it's something to consider. I'm just saying, I, I kind of want to watch this bloodbath. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, any case, uh, as far as other teams we have to talk about here, uh, I have two other teams that I really think are hot, two other teams that are kind of cold. Uh, cold teams both in the uh, American Association. Lake Country, not looking great. Sioux City, also not looking great as of recent. Right, and I, I think that for for Sioux City in particular, uh, not totally uh, unexpected for them. Uh, a team that we thought was going to struggle uh, early in the year, uh, really early in the year and for most of the year, 
that's kind of exactly, and that's kind of exactly what they've been. And for, and for Lake Country, I guess you're kind of just looking at, well, they're coming back down to earth, uh, and maybe back to what their roster more is, uh, and, and they've lost seven consecutive games. So yeah. I guess that, that, that kind of makes sense. But I mean, it's too exciting, at least pull that from them. They're joining their Sue Pals at the bottom. The Sue Pals. Like Zoo Pals. That's fun. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think, like, in the, in the sense of Lake Country, I think they're more just coming down to probably more what their talent is in their first year. And, uh, and I think that's really what we've seen from them uh, and why they're they're why they're probably as cold as they are. I mean, unfortunately, they they lost to the Red Hot. I mean, they unfortunately they ran into the runaway train that is the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks and uh, lost by a touchdown to them. Uh, but in, in their last game, a seventeen to ten loss. Uh, but I, I think Lake Country is probably more regressing to what they're talent level is and at least this weekend it's not getting much easier for them because now they get the first place team in their division Chicago and uh, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a tough road ahead for them and they're quickly uh, and you know I mean, at the end of the day like they're, they're the expectations weren't that high for them uh, but they're starting I think to regress more to the mean I think you could say for late country yeah I'd agree with that I kind of blame myself too because it, it started going downhill for both them and Gary once I was like, oh, this would be a fun, uh, a fun finals match. I think it was with both of them, or it'd be fun to watch this in the playoffs. Something to that extent, and they both start trending down here. But with Lake Country, especially, seven in a row is rough, two and eight is rough. It is just kind of getting back, like you said, to, to what they were expected to be. And they had a nice little run there. And I mean, let's be honest here still. Four teams in each division make the postseason. So they are far from out of this yet. They're three games back of a playoff spot. Right. Which, like, I don't know. It's 60 games to see left. Contending. Yeah, like, I don't think they're an actual serious contender here. I mean, like, if we're being real here, the, I, was it Gary? I think, oh, wait, it was Kane County, my mistake earlier, too. I just want to correct that. It wasn't Gary and, like, uh, it was Kane and, like, but regardless, in the East, it's really Chicago. It's Chicago, yeah. perhaps Milwaukee, too, but those are the real, Real teams there. The champions coming out of the West. It's a matter of is it Fargo mm-hmm. or is it Kansas City right now. That's the debate we're having. But yeah. as far as making the postseason, I think they can still do that. I mean, yeah. I mean that a lot of teams make it. And I've said before, like three is probably the max that should be coming from each division. Two is probably more fitting for baseball because I mean, when I think baseball, I think small postseason because yes. you play so many games in the regular season. We have a large. You play a hundred games. There's enough of a sample size to tell me if a team's good or bad. You know. Agree. Totally so. agree. I, I hate the big. I mean, I think this playoff system is with four teams out of each division is still kind of ridiculous. Yeah. The only thing I like, I do like the pick your opponent thing, though. I do think for for drama, it does work a lot for that. But uh, playoff systems aside, what I will say is. Uh, they've done better than I expected, and I could still see them there. As far as Sioux City goes, they're just not that good of a team. I mean, you lost six in a row, you're three and seven. You had a nice little stretch there where you beat up on the Monarchs for a hot minute, and then, well, it just didn't quite go your way. 
uh, this last Monarch series. And, uh, mm. you know, it's, it, that's how it's going to happen. You got a series that's winnable with the, and I can't believe I'm saying this, worst team in the American Association, Claiborne Railroaders, or rail, yeah, Whoops. Railroaders. So, I mean, like, that's, that's certainly a possibility here. And I do want to say, Kansas City, I lost a little bit of respect for you. Backtracked on that tweet there where you were throwing a lot of shade at the Explorers here for busting your balls last weekend. <laughs> and uh, you should have left it up. And I am I regret not saving that video, too, because I would have just retweeted the video you deleted. But I didn't do that, so that's on me. Regardless here, uh, I, unlike Lake Country, that's also second to last, for them, I do think it's kind of, we could call it on this point. Winnipeg's going to get that last playoff spot more than yeah. likely. I, I hate to call races done this early because again, we are in June. They go to Labor Day weekend. A lot can happen in two full months, you know, nine weeks, but I just don't find it likely that they're going to make up five games over that course here. And same thing with Sioux Falls. I don't find it likely they're going to find nine games. So. Uh, not right. great there. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think both of them are out of it. But, I mean, when you look at this West division, I, when you say the champions coming out of the West, I, I'd probably agree with that because both Fargo-Moorhead and, and Kansas City, they're both on winning streaks. They're playing extremely well. Uh, they're clearly the two best teams in the American Association. I mean, Fargo-Moorhead, they're unbelievable right now. Uh, and Kansas City right at the top. That's going to be an amazing playoff series when the two of them eventually match up, but I mean, those two squads are just firing on all cylinders and kind of just separating themselves from the pack, really. And from more from just the West Division, just from the rest of the American Association teams in general. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, Lincoln's not even a weak team either. Neither is uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg's more hot and cold than anything else, but uh, the West has got a lot of firepower there. Fargo Moore has one of the two hot teams that I, I had left to just kind of bookmark. And I do want to go through those two real quickly here in Fargo and then Long Island, because we have to mention at least something in the Atlantic League. Uh, with, with Fargo there, league leading 27 and 10, very hot, five game winning streak, nine and one in their last 10. Obviously they, they got uh, some, some opportunity coming up here. Uh, I'm kind of surprised they're doing what they're doing. I knew they were going to be good. I didn't know they were going to be better than Kansas right. City good. And it seems like whenever these two teams play, it's going to wind up being appointment viewing. Absolutely. I think uh, I, I think that it's certainly going to be appointment viewing, as you say, the must-watch TV. Uh, but I think that... And Kansas City still could be, could be better than them. I think I kind of view them as, as even, to be honest with you, even yeah. though Fargo Moorhead has the one-and-a-half game lead. But, you know, that can flip in an instant. I mean, both those teams are just so stacked. And that's the that's the playoff series that everyone that everyone wants to see. I just wish they could play each other in the championship. But, unfortunately, they cannot. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, we could get that as a first-round matchup if, uh, if they choose to make it that way. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, uh, that that would that would well that would be quite the story, but I, somehow I don't think that that would happen. Yeah, and we only have two more series between these two left in the regular season. Uh, the end of July, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, uh, at Newman Outdoor, and then 
to end the season, the last four games of the regular season in Kansas City on September 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, they will play each other. Uh, so they, who knows? Maybe that, la- that last series, it could very well uh, come yeah. down to determine who's going to get their first choice in, uh, in picking their opponent or get the choice to pick their opponent uh, in the postseason. So maybe that'll be the case here. Uh, on the flip side, though, the Atlantic League will continue to use their bunk, uh, their bunk system of half champions. Long Island's lost today and the Blue Crabs victory means the Blue Crabs have clinched that first half division crown. Uh, also ends up what I believe was a five game winning streak for the Long Island Ducks. They managed to get back to the right side of 529 and 25. They have about a week left in the first half here to try and mount a little bit of a better look to end it and keep it this bit of a hot streak going for them. Uh, but they are one of the hotter teams. In the Atlantic League, everyone else is pretty much where you'd expect them to be. And it seems as though Gastoni is going to hold on to the South, too. But more on them next week once we have all these divisions settled up. Quick word on Ling Island before we kind of wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, Long Island, we know the roster that they have and the talent that they're able to bring in. Uh, but, I mean, Southern Maryland, it's, I mean, 42 and 14. It's Long Island, even with the slow start, are kind of doomed them. Uh, for any real chance, but not to say that the, this hot streak isn't important for them because uh, with everything, the slate being wiped clean in the second half, it, I mean, they're certainly a team that I think has that can compete for a division in the second half. Like, I'm not counting them out in the second half whatsoever, even though Southern Maryland has been incredible in the first half. And you know, if they, we've seen it time and time again in the Atlantic League, teams that, and we've, we've seen it really time and time again where uh, teams win the first half in the Atlantic League. They kind of coast in the second half. Uh, but I think even though these wins don't matter a whole lot right now, uh, it's definitely good to get some wins and starting to play a lot better baseball going into the second half where they can try and compete for a division title. Yeah, absolutely there. And I mean, this could very well be a year where we have one or two wild cards kind of open up. I think the South, it's it's pretty clear it's going to be Gastonia and High Point as the two kind of contenders there. I mean, there's obviously a lot of teams there that could make a move, could try for their shot there, but it seems like those are the two heavyweights down south. In the north, it's still a very wide open bit here. I don't, don't think no matter what Long Island did in the first half, they're really going to get it. You have a team that's arguably going to be a 50-win team for the first half in uh, in Southern Maryland. I mean, they're, there's a very good chance they're going to finish with under 20 losses as well, so that's just it was never really going to be their half to win. So you can't blame them for that. And they are looking better. So them winning this, the second half or taking a wild card is far from out of the picture yet. It's still very much a reality and it'll be interesting to see how they do after the 4th of July and when the second half gets going there, certainly. So, uh, they're a team to watch, a hotter team, uh, in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And they, we know, we know their ability to add talent. So can't count them out. Absolutely there. And so on that note, we've kind of reached the end of the line. We've talked about just about everything that is major that's happening. So 
we'll try to wrap it up and get out of here uh, on that note we'll get to the plugs and you guys know how this goes if you want to follow the show you can do so on twitter at indie ball pod or on instagram at alpb underscore news and at indie ball report uh likewise you can go to the website find all the interviews we've done in the past all the episodes we've done in the past show notes with links to everything we discussed on the show today and in the past as well as timestamps and and all sorts of other stuff there as well so the website will be indieballreport.com be sure to head over there for all of that as well uh if you want to find the show you could do so just on any pod catcher so tune in stitcher spotify podomatic apple podcast google podcast uh i believe ghana too i think that's how it's pronounced g-a-a-n-a uh, apparently it's a big uh, african pod catcher as well we're on that so i don't know if you use it it's there as well as Castbox too. So uh, just by wherever you find podcasts, you can find the show, like, rate, review, subscribe. You know the whole deal now. You hear it on every show that we do, and I'm sure every show you listen to. So uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add? Well, Celtics are done. Red Sox are playing well. So uh, I guess shift into baseball mode. Just full on baseball now. Full on baseball now. We're 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 hundred percent into baseball. All right. If it wasn't uh, 20 to 1 in the morning, I'd be going on a live golf ramp because it's an abomination of a tour and it's, uh, you know, Saudi blood money funding that tour. But uh, it's too late to go on that rant. I'll save that for next week. Uh, so on that note, until uh, until next time, don't forget to play ball.